0: So I hope you're excited because today it's the last one in the series Uh, and uh, if I kind of want to pull out one verse before we're going to read the passage in a minute I'm just going to talk you through where we're at. Um, The verse today I'm going to pull out that kind of summarizes where we're at as we start this morning is and so and so we came to Rome. It's kind of Everything has built up to this point. Uh, this is like season two's finale. We had season one before Christmas. We've been going through season two, Is just this last half, the, the last part of Acts. And, and today we're in the last half of the last chapter. We started last year, and it's the last of Luke's accounts. So this is big, a bit of suspense. Um, And uh, this has been a a big journey, a journey of the church. It started in in this account in Acts, uh, right back um, in this tiny little room after Jesus had gone into heaven. Can you switch off the foldbacks? I've got a massive echo. And uh, these followers of Jesus are grappling to uh, work out uh, the question of what to do next. They've been on, been on this journey with Jesus. He's left and they come to this point. What, what are we going to do now? And Jesus has told them what to do, to wait and the Holy Spirit will come. They do that uh, and there's this account from Luke, this beautifully written account of these amazing uh, follow-on to Jesus departing and the birth of the church. It is the birth of the church that we've just read um, and uh, there's a large focus on Paul from Acts 9. Um, on the road to Emmaus, Paul meets Christ. He's the last of the apostles to actually meet Christ. Christ comes to him in this vision, uh, and uh, we follow Paul then on this big journey. Uh, and uh, I don't know if, about you, but I, I had a, a point where I read a lot of travel books. Uh, I do like travel. Uh, when back Way back when I had time to travel, um, and time, well, time to read, in fact, uh, I, I, I looked through this list of the top 10 uh, or top 20 travel books of all time. Bill Bryson, Ernest Hemingway, Wolfert Thesiger, Eric Newby, Paul Chapman, Paul Theroux. I don't know if you know any of those guys, uh, if you've ever read any of their books. Some brilliant books there, some really good books. Uh, great journeys. And, and I think I, I, when I read this book in Acts, uh, I, I see that journey. It's a tremendous journey. Really, it's, it's exciting. When you read what Paul went through, uh, the, the things that happened, uh, the colour and detail that Luke puts in it as a historical account is amazing. Uh, there's a lot of information in there. Uh, it's, a, it's a great read. Uh, I, You know, sit down at some point and just read it through really fast and just absorb uh, the story of, of what the church, what Paul has been on, what's, what's happening. And uh, Luke's a skilled writer. So as uh, events go on, uh, the book gains pace. Uh, things are happening faster, more dramatic, uh, more amazing. Uh, towards the end, uh, well, we can start at the beginning. You remember back, Paul escapes from the city in a basket going down the wall. You know, a pretty amazing event in its own right. He's, he's chased several times. There's riots. There's beatings. There's prison multiple times with earthquakes. Uh, These things are just incredible events. There's people who are stoned and beaten for their faith, Stephen, back at the beginning. And then there's sick and dead who are raised to life. Uh, Just incredible events that the church is associated with as it gives birth. Uh, And most importantly, there's dramatic church growth. It starts with just these simple acts of people meeting, reading their Bible, praying together and then going out and telling their friends. And it's amazing uh, growth of the church. It's a climax, really, at the end, as we get this storm, this shipwreck, God saves everyone, again, uh, kind of an amazing picture in itself. And then, as if that wasn't enough, there's the snake bite. Uh, Paul is bitten by a snake as he recovers on the shore to light a fire. Uh, Cold and wet, they've all escaped the ship. He now gets bitten by a viper. And he survives no harm at all, only to go on to see a sick man on the island who he prays for and is healed dramatically. And then uh, knowing uh, that, many of his friends and others come to see Paul and he heals all these people on the island and they uh, minister to him and he goes on on this final journey uh, to Rome. And really, you deserve to take a bit of a pause Uh, We deserve to take in uh, the huge journey that that's been. Incredible journey Paul was on and that the church was on. If you think about what people were seeing and what was going on in terms of the changes from the the traditional Judaism to what this message Jesus had brought, had done, what it was doing. So uh, why is Rome significant? What's so important? And so we came to Rome. It's like this really pregnant pause where it's like, given everything that's happened uh, through the account in Luke, and then uh, in his gospel, and then now in the book of Acts, what's this moment leading up to? Because Paul uh, was very aware that God had called him for a specific thing, so this, this writing where Luke says, and so we came to Rome, is uh, very significant in this story, because it's the, the, the whole point of what... God had called Paul to do. In Acts 9.15, at his conversion, uh, the angel came, or or Jesus came to Paul, and uh, he said to Paul specifically, he was going to be his chosen instrument to carry God's name before the Gentiles and their kings, and before the people of Israel. Of course, The people of Israel, where they met was Jerusalem, the the holy city. That's where their leaders were, their kings were. And of course, the seat of power, uh, the politics of the day, would have been Caesar, who was Emperor Nero in Rome. And Paul had this urge, uh, supernatural direction, prompting specific direction from God, that that's where he wanted to go. That's where he had to go. And everything you've read... The whole point is to get Paul here in Rome. Even at the last stage where he has this great mission, there's this storm, and in the storm where the opposition seems so strong that Paul may not make it, this angel comes in the middle and says, Do not be afraid, Acts twenty-seven twenty-four. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. God's will was never thwarted. Even when it seemed impossible in that storm, God was going to get Paul to Rome, whatever. And uh, as an amazing picture of the gospel. uh, As God saved Paul, so he saved all those around him. All those that trusted in Paul's word and in what God had given Paul as well. Time and again, God saves and saves and saves, even against every odd. So we're going to read the passage now. Uh, And we'll just see what happens in Rome. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Petoli. There, we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. So this is a journey from Malta onto the Isle of Sicily, across to the tip of Rome, on part way up to Rome, and finally the walk into Rome. The brothers there had heard that we were coming, and they travelled as far as the Forum of Apius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you, It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, We've not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of the brothers who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day, and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning until evening he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit... Spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said this through Isaiah the prophet. And Paul quotes Isaiah here Go to this, this people, go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. Their hardy hardly. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. So, the end of Acts. Uh, I was reading online that the CEO of FX Networks, FX is like a cable channel. If you've got Virgin Cable, you can get this channel FX. I think it's on some other channels. But he said that um, last year, in 2016 he was quoted as saying we are in a content bubble. There is simply too much TV. He said that he tracks every production that goes on, uh, all of the people who are writers, and he said for the first time in his life, he lost track. He said, I simply cannot follow all of the TV series that are being produced now. And in 2016, last year, there were 455 original scripted programs in the US alone. That is the choice you have on cable TV. That's just you know, just in the US. Um, now, if you go, I looked, if you, I added this up from the Wiki article. If you look at the top, just the top 100 TV series, all of the, uh, the episodes there are, there are 40,000 episodes in the top 100. i okay, outside things like The Simpsons and stuff, which go on a long time. Um, but but what about the ending? Okay, we're talking about an ending here. So uh, let's look. Rolling Stone magazine um, top ten series by reader poll. Have a think. I don't know what, what would be on your list. Um, favorite series? Anyone? I, I don't know. Uh, I looked through. Uh, there's some. There's a real mix. Okay. Uh, the Sopranos. Lost. I got to season two on Lost, and then I got lost. Um, but The Shield. Uh, good cop dramas come in Six Feet Under, Breaking Bad, a bit more modern here. Sons of Anarchy, but I think this is my favourite one, Mash. I don't know if you, watch, I, I was too old, right? But you know, Mash, the medical drama in the US Vietnam War, it's a real classic. Yeah, it's kind of a, a good old one. Um, I, I was too young to watch it when it came out, but I've watched lots of those. Uh, so, okay, what do you think? This is the end of a season. Acts 28, end of season finale, how did it go? Because I'm really left with too many questions. Not, not happy, I'm not happy, okay? Because, you know, I want, I want this finale. I need this kind of thing, I've come through the season, so what now? What's, what, there's all these things that should have happened, and we don't know everything. Luke just kind of stopped dead. So why did he do that? Do you you feel like you've got all the questions? Do you feel like that was a nice conclusion to Acts? A really good story? Um, Because I don't. And uh, what's what's the action? Time and again, uh, the theme, Paul is accused, uh, the church is challenged, persecuted, immense danger, saved, just in the nick of time. Time and again, time and again, vindicated, saved, only just by God's supernatural invention. Time and again, there's this theme of, of risk, challenge, salvation. Uh, and now, uh, the, the pinnacle of what's happening is Caesar. He, he's on this mission and so to Rome to meet Caesar and defend the gospel, and it stops dead. And courtroom drama? There's no courtroom drama. there be, be some good films on courtroom dramas that could kind of like, you know, we could learn from them. Uh, Tom Wright, Bishop of Durham, writes this. Luke was writing this book quite deliberately in order for it to be a primary, detailed, and very powerful evidence available for when Paul himself came before Caesar. It's a nice answer. Kind of, okay. Some academic insight here where what he's saying is that The reason it stops there is because Luke was just writing this account so that when Paul finally went before Caesar after two years, it says Paul was there for two years and then presumably met Caesar. This was like the uh, legal document that Luke had produced to uh, to defend Paul in court. Really critical document. But it's not enough, right? Because why didn't Luke amend it? He lived long after the event. We've got lots of people. Someone else could have written what happened. Uh, there's plenty of time afterwards. So, questions. I don't know if you've ever read, like, a, you, you've read a story or you thought about a celebrity years after. You're like, yeah, what happened to that celebrity? And what did happen to him after that TV series? You know, what did they go on to do? Uh, what about that famous dramatic event and those people that were on the news? What, what happened next? because this is kind of the questions you can start to think about when you go into this passage. Why didn't Luke write about Caesar? I mean, the whole point was to meet the king, and Caesar's this huge historical figure. It was Emperor Nero. There's nothing. It doesn't even mention him again. So let's go through these questions, three questions, and three really interesting insights. You see, Luke didn't want to write about Caesar. He was far more interested in the individual actions of the people in his church. Interesting. There's not a, not a word about Caesar, but there's this amazing paragraph just before the bit we read about this guy, Publius, who uh, healed, tells his friends, and his friends get healed, and then what do they do? They minister to Paul, providing all this stuff for him to get where he needs to go. Just They see the mission. They grasp the mission that Paul is on. They experience it in themselves firsthand through healing, personally affected. And wow, they want to help. They want to get in there and be a part of Paul's mission, giving everything he needs to complete his journey. They serve. Who had more impact on God's church and whose name was written in God's story? Was it Caesar? The politics of the day? Chaos was going on. I tell you what, who Nero was. You can read them on wiki. But the kings of the day, are they mentioned? Or was it the individuals in the church who saw the mission of what God's word was? And served Paul? Second question. Why doesn't Luke write anything about what was going on with Paul in in Rome? Because in some ways, Paul kind of fades a bit. We've had quite a lot of detail about him. And actually, we can fill in some blanks. We can do that. I've I've done that, right? 2 Timothy 4 is one of the last things Paul wrote. And it's a, a very moving, sad letter. But uh, amazing in many ways. Very beautiful writing. Don't have time to read it. But I can tell you where Paul was and what he felt like. And Luke doesn't put this in. He was lonely. And he was suffering. The key points in there. Demas, a previous companion on the journey. In Colossians 4.14 and Philemon verse 24. He left Paul. Because he loved the world. That's how Demas was remembered. Right at the point, at the pinnacle of the journey on the mission, Demas walked away. And that's the record of what Demas did. He loved the world. And he missed the whole point of the mission. He was left alone. Sometimes this was not deliberate necessarily. Titus... And others who are key people, they didn't neglect the gospel, but they were called away by Paul's instruction. He sent Titus away, and Paul was left alone. He said, I've been left alone. He had no one, no companionship. He was hurt. Alexander, the metal worker, strongly opposed the gospel. There are those around who strongly oppose and did great damage to Paul personally. The fact that Paul records it is unusual. Think instead of the contrast we have in verse 28, verse 15. There's this bunch of guys who hear about Paul. He's walking up. He's just landed in the coast and he's going to walk up to Rome. It's a long journey still. And these guys are like, there's this guy who's coming to Rome on a mission. It's God's mission. And what do they do? Well... They walk to meet him along the Apian Way. The distance you can is historical. That's over 40 miles. They walked from here, at Sutton a Church, River Church in Sutton, to the south coast to meet Paul. And then they turned around and they walked him back again. You know, interesting. Luke, not unaware of the history and context of a Caesar... A king, after a triumphant battle, returning through his kingdom to the seat of power, where things happen, would be escorted, a triumphant walk back to the city. And here we have these humble guys, not named, but they were brothers. In the sense of the brothers within the church, they accompany him like a victor. Towards the end of his mission, and they serve Paul, and the word is encouragement. What encouragement on Paul's mission they gave him? And the last thing, the last question, what about the trial? The whole point of this account is the trial of Caesar. We've recorded it. And, of course, why record all the build-up to the trial but not put anything in it about the trial? Because often, you know, the trial is the drama Think of the people in court, the arguments, the the things that would have been said, the witnesses. Phenomenal that Paul writes in 2 Timothy, At my first defence, no one, no one came to my support. But everyone deserted me. Going to hang on those words for a moment. Paul, having arrived in Rome, when he finally got to see Caesar, who was left on the mission with him? No one. In Paul's words, no one. Okay, Luke writes the story. Okay, he's sick. Paul sent him away. Maybe, may well be. Faithful Luke, who stayed, he was one of the few to stay. No one was there when Paul sat down at trial. It's phenomenal. It's moving, really. Challenging. And he was so exonerated. Verse 21 says that none of the Jewish brothers had said or heard anything bad about him. And yet he gets strung up before Caesar. Yet still, two years in prison. He did nothing wrong. So right were his actions. And what does Paul do? Verse 28, 17, sorry, chapter 28, verse 17, took every opportunity to speak about the gospel. Not only that, think about this, okay? Maybe they should get a a few guys together um, and start assembling his defense. I mean, Luke's doing that. So what's Paul got to do? He needs to think about this, right? Verse 23, diligently, from morning until evening, He preached the gospel. That was what was on his mind. Mixed response. They want to hear verse 23. They even come in large numbers, quote unquote. Verse 24, some were convinced. Others disagreed. They argue. They leave. Doubts, argument, forgotten. Something else to do. They walk away. Instead of suffering, we see this record of Paul's diligence and his grace. He welcomed everyone who came to see him. Everyone. Open door. You know, some commentators think that he may have even been working to pay for this private room as a tent maker. He had contacts, very skilled man, possibly. He worked to have this room open door. Anyone could come. Chained to a guard. On a four-hour rotation, they would have switched guards. One arm locked into another man. No privacy. Open door. Paul's preparation, the drama, what was on trial, what happened. You see, the real trial was the gospel. That was the trial. It wasn't about Paul. Paul fades, disappears in our story. And instead, we're left with the gospel instead of writing about this dramatic courtroom trial that could have been an amazing movie, it's all about the trial of the gospel before the Jewish leaders. How Paul argues with them, defending Christ, the new message of the gospel. He tried to convince them from morning to evening declaring the kingdom of God. And verse 30, again it repeats itself boldly and without hindrance he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus So, what next? It's like hanging. There's so much unanswered questions. I filled in a lot of blanks. But, Paul, but Luke didn't write a proper ending. What is the last slide in our story? Paul fades, disappears. But it was never about him. It was about the gospel that remains and the church that goes on. And if God wanted another act, another chapter in Acts, what opportunity do we have to place another character in? We could put Caesar in, but but Luke wasn't interested in that. He left it hanging for his reader. All those people who serve so simply, they're the story Kieran did it so well for me when he talked about the ordinary heroes, the men and women in Acts who served so simply doing ordinary things, who became part of God's mission and his story. Quite simple things they did, serving and ushering in God's kingdom. And it leaves this hanging response that puts you right in the next chapter. Because God didn't care about the politics he cared about the people who serve Paul, supplying for his needs. He cared about the people through Acts who were part of his church. And it puts you right in that place, you and I, where we have to think about how we respond to that mission of the gospel in Acts 1 verse 8, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. The lack of any significant ending is like this wide open space for us to fill and understand what our calling is and how we put ourselves in and on that mission. I'm going to pray. And then I think the band want to come back. Mike's going to lead us in worship. Father, that was an amazing story of your church. How powerfully you saved and saved and saved again. How powerfully your church goes on and on and on. An unfinished story that will never finish until you write the last word. And how amazing that you have called us simply in our smallest or greatest capacity to serve you and be in your story. We are not worthy of that, yet you have called us to be a part of your story. Thank you. Challenge us, I pray, Father, to understand our calling, our mission in serving you and in being a part of what you want us to do in your great mission. Amen.